0: Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit christcitychurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Yeah, without further ado, I'll introduce um, our speaker for tonight. His name is Andrew Tuddy, um, and he is currently a master's student um, at UCD studying chemical engineering. And um, so, yeah, over to you, Andrew. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank you, Andrew, for sharing. Um, that, 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 that was great. And yeah, I think it's gonna link really nicely to the talk today. So the first thing I wanna, I'm gonna give you a few quotes here. Let's start with Elon Musk. The eccentric mind behind innovative companies like Tesla, SpaceX, and PayPal. He claims that there is no better time to be alive than today and that humanity he's quoted as saying, can address a lot of the suffering that occurs in the world and make things a lot better. And Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, agrees, citing the fact that 100 years ago, the average person spent about 11 and a half hours each week doing their laundry compared to a mere hour and a half nowadays. He also notes that the global IQ score is rising about three points each decade thanks to better nutrition and cleaner environments and he says the world is getting better even if it doesn't always feel that way and then thirdly we have Kathleen Moran she's a best-selling Irish author and journalist and she claims this is still the best time in history to be a woman despite all the scandals that we read about in the newspapers. But despite all these quotes, suffering still does exist and it doesn't appear to be ceasing. Although we don't spend all day, 11, doing laundry anymore, in slavery. That's about four times. Many of these slaves are. And despite Kathleen Moran's quote, currently in New Zealand, a country praised. For its handling of the pandemic and seen as progressive and idealistic by many, 20% of women will be physically abused by a male partner in their lifetime and one in five women will be a victim of rape or attempted rape in their lifetime. Despite this apparently being the best time to be alive, I can still feel the ache of seeing my aunt Rhoda painfully fight a losing battle with cancer for two years before passing a couple of months ago. I can, I can see the grief on the face of my own mother as she tries to return to some sort of norm- normality after losing her second sister prematurely. Suffering still exists and suffering is still a problem. The, the COVID pandemic has thrust suffering into the limelight. It, it, it wasn't that it wasn't there before, but now it's highlighted for all to see. Job loss. Businesses closing, social isolation, restrictions, growing rates of depression and anxiety, illness and death. These are all the things we hear about every day in the media and all we speak about with friends. Now, I want to do two things in this talk, Comfort in COVID 2020. Firstly, I'm going to give some philosophical answers to the question of suffering. As as Andrew just said in his personal story, questions he still as a Christian suffers with, but questions that we all struggle with. How can there be a good God, given that there is so much suffering in the world right now? Why do bad things happen to good people? And the second thing I want to do is to give some personal answers. How can we find hope and peace in this time of suffering? How can we find comfort in COVID? And for both, I want to compare the Christian view to the secular answers that says there is no God. Tonight, we are talking about what is known as theodicy where the argument against God goes something like this. Since there is so much evil in the world, there cannot be an all-powerful and all-loving God. If he was powerful, he would be able to get rid of suffering. And if he was all-loving, he would want to get rid of suffering. Since evil exists and all-loving, all-powerful God cannot exist. However, philosophically, the atheist has two problems when posing such a challenge. Firstly, they are assuming a moral law. In saying that there is such thing as evil, you must be then assuming there is such thing as good. Without good, you can't have evil. When you admit to a moral law, you admit to a moral law giver. This, however, is the person you're trying to disprove if you're an atheist. If there is no moral lawgiver, there is no moral law. If there's no moral law there's no good or evil and all this talk of suffering is therefore nonsensical your objection is redundant now somebody might say well i don't need a moral lawgiver to tell me good or evil what matters to me is that we alleviate human suffering and that is how i try to live my life a bit like elon musk i don't think this really works i think it it has problems of its own because secondly they are assuming human life is valuable But why is human life valuable if, to quote atheist and Oxford professor Peter Atkins, we are nothing more than slime on a planet? Without God, there is no reason to value life. To use Bertrand Russell's expression, man is a curious curious accident in a backwater. So do you see the distinction between good and evil and the valuing of human life only makes sense if there is a God who gives the distinction and gives the value to human life by making us in his own image? Although suffering may challenge our belief in God, and I think that's fair to say, if you say to me, it wasn't supposed to be this way, that's wrong. Humans were never meant to die of coronavirus. Humans were never meant to die of cancer. These things weren't supposed to happen. But why do you think there should be a world that isn't full of evil and suffering? Have you ever known such a world? Where do you think that idea comes from? Why do you think human life is valuable? If we're just a set of chemicals, that there's no greater reason for our existence except a random big bang that kicked us all into existence against all the odds. And if it's all random, why is human life valuable? We are just a bit of slime on a planet we are just a curious backwater, a curious accident in a backwater. So here's my point. The very fact that we often look to the heavens and cry out why, reveals that somewhere deep inside us, we believe somebody is there. And it feels like they're not listening or they don't care, but they are there. CS Lewis puts it like this, If you're really the product of your materialistic universe, how is it that you don't feel at home here? Do the fish complain of the sea for being wet? Now, maybe our reaction to evil and suffering far being evidence against God is actually evidence for God. You see, if you get rid of God, well, you get rid of the problem and you just have to get on with it. Maybe you'll do that. But... If you, if you trivialize the suffering, your, your question's redundant. So you take away God, take away suffering, you don't, then there is no suffering. So let me push you a little bit further. What is wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world? How do we set about putting things right? Why is the world a mess? Is it a lack of education? Is it a, a lack of technology? Is it a lack of communication? You can't, you can't say that. You see, if you don't believe in a God, and you believe we're all here by random chance and the fittest, fittest of us survive longer and those that are less fit, well, why do we expect a world that is not cruel and harsh and random and unjust? But we know something is wrong. We, we can sense it, we feel it, we think it. Children dying of cancer, AIDS, homelessness, miscarriages, war, terrorism, pedophilia, murder, rape, coronavirus, It's a dark world and we know it, but why do we think that? We imagine and hope for a world without disease, without COVID, without suffering and without death, but none of us have ever known such a world. None of us have ever experienced that world, yet it remains somewhere deep inside our consciousness that we are meant to live in such a world. As C.S. Lewis helpfully remarked, it's like a fish continually being surprised at the wetness of the water. Where does this sense of something being wrong come from? What are we comparing our world to? What, how can we fix it? So intellectually, I think you have greater problems around the question of suffering if you're an atheist than if you're a Christian. But I think I have a worldview that explains why we have a problem in the first place, and it means that suffering is not trivial. it's not meaningless. And that's my belief in God and It gives me a moral law um, showing me what what is right and what is wrong, differentiating right from wrong, good from evil. And secondly, it explains why human beings are infinitely valuable and worth caring for. The atheist has no worldview, no explanation that accounts for these things and the problem of suffering falls flat. And by the way, philosophically, If you have a God big enough and powerful enough to be mad at for not stopping evil, you'll also have a God big enough and powerful enough to have a reason for not stopping the evil and suffering. If I show you an empty classroom, for example, and I ask you if there is an elephant in the room. The answer should be pretty clear. But if I show you the same room and I ask you, do you see any COVID-19 virons in there? You cannot tell me yes or no, because it's too small for us to see with our eyes. You cannot say, because I can't see any reason for for God to not stop this evil and suffering, that there cannot be a reason. Who are you? An an, an all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise God? No. If you have a God big enough and powerful enough to be mad at, you also have a God big enough and wise enough to have reasons for what he's doing. So then we come to the personal answer. How can you find comfort and peace in a time of suffering? How can you find comfort in COVID? Now, COVID-19 is no respecter of persons or national borders, wealth, status. It's like death, it's like suffering. It's a great leveler. And so the question is, how do you find peace given that none of us are immune to suffering? Now Christianity, as Andrew said earlier, may not have all the knockdown arguments to the problem of suffering, but I want to argue tonight that is the last one standing. It offers us more resources than any other religion or worldview. And why is that? Because there's one thing that separates Christianity from all other religions and worldviews. It's the one thing that makes it unique. It's the one thing that speaks so relevantly to our suffering. It's the one thing that gives us resources For comfort in suffering, the answer God gives to the problem of evil and suffering is His Son on a bloody cross. The Christian message is that our God entered the world of suffering. He took on flesh and bones, and He experienced everything we experienced, and worse, culminating with His death on a cross. Our God suffered. Our God was crucified our god died. He felt the physical pain as the cat of nine tails impaled on his back and he winced as the nails were hammered through his wrists. He felt the emotional pain of being mocked, laughed at, spat on, humiliated by his accusers as well as being abandoned by his friends. But worst of all, he felt the relational and spiritual pain of being rejected by his father. And so he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? He could have remained distant and far off, but instead in his love, he came down to suffer for us. And this has huge implications. Firstly, we can have comfort that we're not alone. You know that in that moment of pain and suffering, as a mother holds her dying baby, as a young boy watches his father lose his fight with cancer, all the books written on suffering, all the eloquent words and quotes spoken, those things couldn't matter less. When confronted with the raw reality of suffering and evil, what is needed is someone's presence alongside to help you through. Someone who sympathizes or better, someone who emphasizes with you who knows, who understands your pain and they can comfort you. Have you ever lost a child? So has God. Have you ever been isolated and rejected? So has God. Have you ever suffered loneliness? So has God. Have you wanted to give up? So has God. Have you been treated unfairly? So has God. Have you, so has God. We see in relationships that lovers don't want explanations, but they want presence. Does he descend into all of our hells? Yes, he does. From the depths of a Nazi death camp, Corey Ten Boom, a Holocaust survivor wrote, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. He is gassed in Auschwitz. He is destroyed in the Indian Ocean tsunami. He is infected and isolated during COVID-19. He, every tear we shed, Becomes his tear. It doesn't make the pain go away. I give you that. It doesn't take away the agony or the hurt or the loss. But it does mean he understands. God knows and God cares. And God is with me and I am not alone. In other words, I may not know the answer to why God is allowing this suffering to happen. But I know what the answer isn't. It cannot be that he doesn't love me. cross shows me that so firstly we get comfort we're not alone and secondly we get hope the future is bright you see not only did God enter the enter into the worst suffering imaginable on the cross but three days later he rose again from the dead and he beat humanity's worst enemy death and the resurrection assures me that one day The broken creation will be completely fixed as God restores things to how they should be. That's that world we want. The New Testament very clearly portrays heaven as a real place. In fact, it would be better to call it the new creation because God will restore this world fully. It's the world we want. It's the world we imagine. It's the world we all think we should live in. The new creation is the place where there are no tears, no pain. No crying, no mourning, no sadness, loneliness, anguish or heartbreak. There's, there's, there's no greed, no injustice, no disease, no exploitation, no COVID-19, no restrictions, no boredom or job loss, no fear, panic or stress. It's a place of joy and laughter, of feasting and wine. It's a place of happiness, friendship, of harmony, satisfaction. It's a place of peace and perfect enjoyment of all good things. Mother Teresa, who lived among the most severe suffering, put it like this. In light of heaven, the worst suffering on earth, a life full of the most atrocious torture on earth, will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. So we get comfort. The cross assures me that I'm not alone or forgotten in this world of suffering. I may not know the answer to why God is allowing this suffering, but I know what the answer is. it. it, it I know what the answer isn't. It's not that God doesn't love me. And we get hope, the resurrection and the afterlife assure me, not just of consolation and restoration, but complete satisfaction beyond my wildest dreams. And from comfort and hope, we end up with peace. This is not all pointless. Historically, all other religions located our meaning in life, not within this life, but in something else, in the afterlife. And, and that meant, yeah, no matter the religion, they had a way of equipping their members for suffering. Suffering could actually enhance the meaning of your life. It could help you discover a deeper meaning. But our modern secular culture today has become the least able to equip its members to suffer. And why is that? Because they have no resources to draw on. If the meaning of your life is bound up in this in this eight life, this eighty years or however long we have, well, then suffering cannot possibly enhance it. It can only take away. So no wonder we panic and we re- react in fear and cannot face death and we cannot face more restrictions and more lockdowns, because we have no resources to help us. If in if your meaning in life is found in wealth, money, success, health, relationships, um, families the environment, social or political causes, whatever it's found in, suffering destroys that meaning. It eats away at it. But if your meaning, on the other hand, in life is is to know and to love and enjoy God now and forever, well, suffering can actually help you with that, as I'm finding in this time. Our modern secular culture is the least equipped to deal with suffering. And whilst we live In extraordinary amounts of comfort compared to the majority of the world, we react with far greater anxiety to suffering than the majority of the world that has so much less than us. You see, as a Christian, I can have peace because I know that in all the chaos in all the suffering and all the discomfort, God is somehow working for a greater good and, and it has a purpose. Now think about the cross at the time where nobody saw anything positive. There was devastation and pain. No one at the time understood how any good could happen. Jesus was dying. The enemies were winning. Hope was over. All was lost. Think about that image that was on the screen earlier. Yet God was doing something marvelous. He was forgiving sins. He was setting in place the restoration of all things and guaranteeing eternal life. That means that your suffering, your loss, your hurt, it's not wasted, it's, it's not meaningless, it's not pointless. If there was no God, it would be. But if there is a God who is both powerful and who can turn the death of his own son into, the, into a greater glory than anyone at the time could ever imagine, then he can do the same with your life, even at the moment you don't really understand. And this is what gives comfort, peace, and hope. We have comfort that we're not alone. We have hope that there is a bright future. And we have peace that there is a purpose. There is a point. There is a meaning. So the cross does not solve the problem of suffering. But it does supply the essential perspective from which to look at it. The cross does not give my mother the answer to why her sister Rhoda is no longer here with us, but it does assure her that Rhoda's death was not meaningless, but rather eternally meaningful. The cross does not give my mother any more time with her sister, but it does give her the promise of eternity with her. It gives us the resources, only Christianity gives us the resources we need for comfort, hope, and peace in times of suffering. Thank you guys very much for listening.